0: Today's episode is brought to you by the Vegas Beer Guys and the Brew Bar. The Everything Sequel podcast contains explicit language, and I will not go to my room. Hello and welcome to the Everything Sequel Podcast, the Final Destination Edition. Today, we're talking about Final Destination 5. My name is Michael Schantz. I am from the How Dare You Awards. With me, as always, is my partner in crime, Tom Stewart from Lonesome Whistle Productions. Hi, Tom. They're called tits.
1: (laughs) yeah they are that or yum yum dim sum and i didn't want to go there
0: oh man boy do i have a note about yum yum dim sum fucking shit i didn't i
1: didn't want i didn't want to put that back in the world
0: yeah no i hear you i hear you (laughs) well everybody we're talking about a 2011 movie directed by stephen quayle New to the series, right Tom? Final Destination 5. He was This guy was a big assistant director, clearly worked a lot with Cameron. He was an assistant director on Avatar, on Titanic. Yeah. Uh sadly also Rocky and Bullwinkle. But <laughs> well not no one came out of that well, not
1: even De Niro.
0: Nope. But it looks like this was his big chance and for my money, he pulled it off, man. Definitely.
1: Got a lot of great things to say about his direction in this movie.
0: I was putting this movie off after watching the fourth one because I thought, you know, for sequels on a long enough timeline, once you start making shit, like, it just gets worse and worse. And I was putting this movie off just thinking, oh, man, do I not want to watch that movie? There's a lot of things that
1: count against this movie before you go into it. I think the fact that it's the the fifth in the series which are typically not the most accomplished. Um, <laughs> See A Good Day to Die Hard. <laughs> a Good Day to Die Hard, Rocky Five. Rambo Last Blood. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting, you know, for me, uh, what Quail did, which was quite nice, is that rather than straying from what the fifth installment of a movie does, he just kind of refined it so it's actually good
0: but he's yeah, pulling, pulling a
1: lot of the same shit yeah you get in all those movies we just talked about including the the, the, the including the uh, the recap montage which is in <laughs> maybe not a good day to die hard but certainly in rocky and rambo uh, Absolutely. but doing it doing it in a way where i'm like ah, i am on board for this yeah because this you know this is the this is you know, set, this is a movie that is very comfortable with itself being the last of this series. Mm-hmm. And it makes a very strong... Uh, it ends on such a high that it t- completely justifies its own conclusion.
0: I agree 100%. Yeah.
1: So, uh, yeah, I, I've, I've generally... Nothing but good things to say about this movie.
0: Well, the movie itself was, you know, we talked about how each of these sequels are... And the original itself were all successes. This one just barely squeaked by. Again, like a budget of forty million dollars, made forty two point five in America. Right. Uh, but in the world, one hundred and fifty seven point eight million cumulatively. So, again, you know that's that's a profit.
1: Yeah, and I think you know the final destination leaves a bad taste in your mouth, as you as you said. Yeah. And this is only two years later, mm-hmm. and you know when you when you're making sequels that aren't working at such a rate, it doesn't bode well. So the idea that this movie made any kind of profit, I think, is remarkable, because yeah, me too. Because I think you know, as an as an audience, I this I'd like you, I'd want to avoid this one yeah I mean I would have thought that because it, it's not it's not two years is not long enough to kind of right yeah exactly re- solve the problems of the series and yet that's exactly what they do but I don't think anyone was expecting that they would
0: I agree yeah you know it's it you have that uh, sense that after four you know the, the audience is getting a little tired <laughs> you know. It really, it really has to pull something out of its ass that you've never seen before, mm-hmm. and it delivers. It does, and so it. And we talked about we kind of you know alluded to this in the last podcast, but it delivers on multiple levels. Yes, it delivers just story wise. It delivers on direction. It delivers on performances, at least compared to the last movie, uh, and it also delivers on three D. Yeah, absolutely. The 3D works so much better in this movie than it did in the previous try. And I think, you know, what, what, I mean, we,
1: we had this as our second, we both had this as our second favorite in the series. Yeah. And where I think it, it really harks back to our favorite of the series, Final Destination 3, is I think there is something going on here thematically that is quite interesting. Mm-hmm. But it's what, what. This what I think this movie is about, like the underlying Right themes of this movie are just there to kind of flavor the movie. So that's another big difference from Final Destination where it immediately hits you over the head with racism mm-hmm. and continues to hit you over the head with it throughout the movie without offering any But for no for, yeah, for right. no reason with no, and with, with no game. With no planned end game. But, yeah you know and for, for me you know this movie is about at at, a, at, a, at one level is about corporate america and it's about labor more generally yeah and those those themes are certainly there but they don't interfere with you having a good time and that this being you know another completely formula driven final destination movie that gives you everything you want. Mm-hmm. All the pleasures of those movies, plus you know, if you if you want to think about it, there's actually there's actually some interesting stuff to provoke your thoughts.
0: I would agree with that. Like you said, not yum yum dim sum, but you know, no, that's <laughs> where it's at its least successful. That that character, fuck that character. Ah, shit. Well, so you know, part of the big thing about these these movies is the manner in which you are going to be delivered before we get to Yum Yum Dim Sum. (laughs) um, The part of the big thing about these movies is the manner in which you are going to be delivered your premonition. Mm -hmm. You alluded to this (laughs) in the last podcast that that this seems uninteresting in the sense that you have a business retreat. Right.
1: When when you had Uh, roller coasters, planes. Right. A racetrack. This This initially seems less exciting. But again, I think that's a little
0: bit of a bait and switch. Exactly right. And so that's what I wanted to say was you have this sort of benign thing. And like, look, a lot of exposition character wise is given in this first five minutes of preparing to get on the bus to leave for the business trip. Right. You find out everything you need to know about all of these characters. Yeah. Right. And so in that way, it's pretty efficient.
1: Well, also, you know, it's a very sequel thing to take... Not that these characters are continuing on, but, you know, one of the ways that we do, like, sequels or big-screen adaptations of TV shows is to put the characters in a bus and send them somewhere.
0: Uh, Right.
1: (laughs) There's, like, a generation of, of British movies based on sitcoms that just take the cast of the sitcom, put them in a bus... And Send them on a trip, so mm-hmm. uh, but it, it, it's it's a yeah, it's an inauspicious opening that uh, the at the time you're sort of worried that, that they're dropping the ball because it's not and it's not right, right, it right, 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 that right. promise yeah. of spectacle, but uh, yeah, that's that's misleading, and I think it's deliberately misleading, um. Because it is so. That's
0: interesting. So you think it was purposeful? Well, like, I don't. They're... In
1: retrospect, given how good the movie is,
0: like trying to lull you—is that what I you mean? I didn't
1: think that at the time, but when I when I think you know, but I didn't know what kind of a, I didn't know how good a movie this was going to be at the time. But mm-hmm. I, I could almost give it the benefit of the doubt. I say, I think certainly it's trying to sort of it's trying to create something more ordinary, ordinary and relatable. Than the situations that that we normally find ourselves in in this series, like okay, you know, something you really are doing, you know, you don't go on a road trip every day, you don't get on a plane every day, you don't go on a roller coaster every day, but you go to work every day, mm-hmm. you know, in some form or another, and I just think, you know, I think about two thousand eleven, I think, you know, The Office just went off the air. There's probably, this is, again, we're probably like the, the highest demand for these sort of workplace-based narratives. Maybe, yeah. That we've kind of had in a while. And when David Kutchner turns up, I'm like, well, he's yeah, fucking right. in the office, so... Yeah, exactly. It probably isn't an accident. Uh,
0: when you see Packard...
1: <laughs> who's being very Packard. Yeah. In this movie. Um,
0: Completely and totally Packard.
1: So... Yeah, no, I mean, I I think I think it might have been a I think it it, uh, it might have been a little bit of a um, a bluff. But uh, like you say, it it's it's just a nice opportunity to introduce everybody and also, you know, and and the central what are going to be the central conflicts of this movie. And thankfully they're not racial. Yeah, right. When they got onto that factory floor and there was a young African American guy and an old teamster. Mhm. Old white teamster. I was like, "Oh fuck. We're in trouble again." Yeah. And then I cannot tell you how delighted I was that their conflict is based around age, union affiliation. Yes, all right. <laughs> no. and class. Those are the I'm like, yeah. "Oh my god, this movie speaks my language." Yeah. It's not at all about race. It's a it's it's about socioeconomic stuff that
0: I don't hate you for the color of your skin. I hate you for many, many, many other reasons.
1: (laughs) And I love that because I'm just like, it's like we're not going to have to hear the N-word. We're just going to have to hear how he's like a young, privileged piece of shit.
0: Piece of shit, right. Exactly.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So I was so... I did sort of revel in that as well. Yeah, and and then and that's right because that 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 in the end is what the movie is going to end up being about. Like it paints mm-hmm. a very dark picture of kind of I guess millennial labor.
0: Yeah, yeah it does.
1: I don't know about you, but I don't know what these characters do for a living.
0: Oh, agreed. No, me neither. They work in. They seem Ex- to work except... in an
1: office during the day. They're also in
0: college. Except day drink. Except day drink during the day at the office. And yeah, while still being in co- like, you know,
1: it's. They're in college. They work at an office. Uh, one of them's a gymnast. The other's a chef. Yeah, it, it's and it is very confusing. But then I think, well, you know, is this is this like, is this like. Prophetic about the casualization of labor that you you can't make a living without four or five different side gigs if you're of a certain generation that doesn't have property behind you or, you know, wealth behind you. There might be a little bit of that or maybe it's just, you know, uh, maybe it's just they realize that there's a limb, you know, it's like we we just want all of the deaths. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, we want one in a kitchen. We want one in a gymnasium. We want one in an yeah. office. I, and I think I both. think it's it more that com- it could be a combo of both. And I'm content right. with both. And I'm content with it being a combo.
0: <laughs> well, can I ask you because we talked in the last movie about the title sequence yeah. with the X-rays? <laughs> I I have a note here that says. I did I do I have a secondary note that says this is going on a little too long yeah, but I agree. I wrote I wrote that this was my favorite title sequence. I really dug the, like the music behind it, like everything about the title sequence. I was really digging in this movie.
1: Yeah, I think the, 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 the opening titles are over three minutes long and that is that's too much. Again, I think we're still you know, we're still yeah. trying to oversell the three D element a little bit. Um Mm-hmm. But yeah, I agree. I I remember thinking, not only is this a really good title sequence, the fact that it does the same shtick as the Final Destination's X-ray title sequence, mm-hmm. but it just looks a whole lot better. Better, right? Is it just you know, it's the 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 perfect contrast. It's like you know, it's not about, it's not about necessarily changing the paradigm it's about doing the paradigm properly (laughs) yeah yeah
0: i have a note here that says like coffee cups and knife blocks breaking mirrors yeah and And again you know know? we're going
1: back it's it's like we're going back to the the essence of 3d which is a, a skull flies at you
0: yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah,
1: like you, I I really enjoy. I really enjoyed that aspect of it. I, I tell you what else I really liked, and this is another huge contrast: that grunge metal that we talked about in the Final Destination. Yeah, is replaced by an orchestral score. Yes, and I love the. I love the fact that. I I think orchestral scores are really good for this, for the material of this series, because it has that kind of hokey old fashioned horror movie idea it's like death is out to get you you know mm-hmm. we're one step away from the, the figure with the, and with with the th- hood and the scythe and the, orca- the orchestra just kind of bring things the classic classicalism of it to the fore yes
0: like, I agree completely like if 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 your Freddy Krueger in, in, in your movie is death itself which you never see orchestration is going to be your friend <laughs> So use it.
1: (laughs) And, you know, and then and then it just automatically doesn't date as easily as as, you know, a movie using the worst music of its time.
0: (laughs) Uh, It does. Well, and all of these movies. Sort of hinge on. The inciting accident. Mm -hmm. Where's where's this one lay for you? The accident? You mean the bridge? Right. Yeah. Um,
1: great. I mean, I think uh, this... this one's
0: my favorite out of oh, all okay. of them. Oh,
1: okay. I wouldn't go that far. I think. Well, no. I like. No, no, I, I I do sh- like the
0: roller coaster the best. The roller so, coaster and the subway
1: yeah. would be mine. Um, but uh, I thought the deaths were very were very good. Um, it's it was it's interesting. I kind of <laughs> I thought again. The the tumbling down on the coach? Is mm-hmm. it, I think it's Isaac who falls through the coach. Like his body's bounding around inside the right. coach. Uh the, the the bus.
0: I don't know character names. is Isaac, that yum is, yum Isaac dim That's yum, yum Yum Dim sum. That's right? Yum
1: Yum Dimsum. And yeah, I remember thinking, boy, that would look great in three D.
0: Me too. And um, when when uh who is it that falls off the side? Falls off the side and hits the boat mast.
1: Oh, is it? no. That's oh, and we have David Kochner turning into an oil slick zombie.
0: Yes, yeah.
1: And that's not even the best death he has in the movie. No, yeah. <laughs> that's how good this secret. Sequ- yeah, that's how like uh, good this movie is. Is like it. It does. It's uh, again. I thought it's 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 um, restraining itself a little bit, but I like that. I like yeah. that. You know, <laughs> Final Destination Two blows its load pretty early on in the movie. Yes. And I loved it for that because it completely fits the tone. And here I feel like they're, you know, they're playing for time a little bit and they, they don't want to have everything
0: uh, just concentrated
1: in that, even though it's a great sequence.
0: Yes. I but mean, the other thing to me is we talked so much at the, in the last episode about how much of the CGI did not work. Yeah. And... Uh, there are certainly moments in this opening sequence in which you're like, okay, that's CGI, but it looks a lot better. It does. Yeah. Uh, And and there are some moments like there are, yeah, there's less of it. And there's some moments, some, there's a couple of shots that are, you know, a good few hundred yards away, establishing shots of the bridge collapsing. And I think to myself, man, that looks fucking good. Like that was, that was kind of cool.
1: I think, and again, what, and I think this is the sign of a good film. It's like you don't always know what you're seeing when you're seeing it. Like you have to what you have to think <laughs> about it in context of the rest of the movie. Um, sure. And there's a there was a couple of things that I at the time had kind of written off to bad screenwriting that were then picked up later in this sequence in in uh-huh. this in this movie. Um. So I'm like, okay, that's a setup for something that comes back later on in the movie. First of all, when uh, uh, Sam, the, who is the the lead character in this, um, once he has the premonition and he gets off the buzz, he grabs his girlfriend and leaves everyone else for dead.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And, you know, and, and part of me was like, like, you know, this is our uh, hero. And, you know, it, at the time I was like, is that a big, that, that seems like a big riding oversight to have a hero who would do that. And then later on in the movie, he's called out for doing exactly that. Exactly that,
0: that, right. But (laughs) I'll... Beautiful. All right. I I have so much to say on that particular subject, so let's take a break. Okay. And then when we come back, I do want to talk about that, because I I find this aspect of this movie maybe the most interesting thing about this movie.
1: (laughs) It becomes that, certainly, yeah.
0: Absolutely. All right, we're going to take a break, everybody, and we'll be back right after this. can I ask you a question? Do you like beer? I like beer. It's required by law that you like beer when you're living in San Diego, California, but even I can get confused and dizzied by the amount of choices that you can see at your local beer store. What's a person to do? I'll tell you what you do. You'll watch The Vegas Beer Guys, a live show on Instagram and Facebook, And they will set you right as to what beers you should have in your life or should not have in your life. The Vegas Beer Guys are brought to you by Dan Aker, the beer professional, and Stephen Weiss, self-proclaimed beer novice. They'll drink beers for you and drink beers with you. Go ahead and check out their live shows and they'll tell you which beers you should be having in your fridge. Everybody wants the perfect combination of malt and hops in your life. And Dan Aker and Steven Weiss are the perfect combination of fantastic and wonderful. Check them out on Facebook. Check them out on Instagram. Find them. You're going to watch their show and love their show. They give away free merch during their shows. So go ahead and check out the Vegas Beer Guys. What a great time. And we are back. Tom and I are here discussing the 2011 final film in the series of The Final Destination, Final Destination 5. (laughs) 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 So when last we left you, we were talking about sort of this, uh, you were talking about sort of what you considered to be shitty writing of our lead character just dragging his girlfriend off the bus at the time, right? Right.
1: At the time, I actually think it's 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 just a setup for some interesting. Character. And I
0: half like, agree with you and half don't where that thought occurred to me. But I also thought. Thinking about intentions and thinking, you know, thinking about character wants and that kind of thing, you know, I was I started to think about in all of these movies, they have to go to such it's really difficult To, out of the blue, convince somebody to get off a plane, get off the (laughs) highway, you know, the the lengths you'd have to go to to actually convince people to do that if you were in that situation is extraordinary. So what I kind of liked about this movie is in the first premonition, he's like, we got to get off this bus, everybody get off this bus. And the second they start giving him some shit, he's like, I'm out of (laughs) here, you know, and that felt kind of honest to me, like. No, I know what's going to happen, so fuck you. Saving my life. (laughs) (laughs) That's so true. He's
1: already, like, is that the first time that someone in the premonition has done the... We gotta, no, gotta get out of here. It's not the first time that's happened, is it?
0: Well, what do you mean? Like, did that in the premonition itself?
1: Within within the premonition, tried to get people
0: off. Yeah, you might be right.
1: I don't know. Maybe I'm starting to think maybe not. But you're absolutely right. Oh no, yeah, yeah no. The
0: like all the in all the premonitions. Well, certainly in the final destination, he's trying to get people out of there. That's true,
1: yeah. So maybe maybe it is just down to what you're saying. It's sort of like, you know, is the the maybe the the first time or at least the best realization of the idea of like uh, you know, these people are not gonna go no matter what I tell them. So
0: fuck them! I'm just, I'm just gonna. Gr-
1: well, also, but you know, also, I, I think if you think about it in terms of this is like a big screen adaptation of The Office. Mm-hmm. What, what do these people mean to him? True. They're called, you know, they're basic, they're they're like acquaintances, really, and you know, just it, it just seemed like, you know, it was like how any of us would react to crisis. We would grab the thing that's most important to us, and that's that's his girlfriend. But, you know, given but, the context, it's like, fuck you all. Right. This is what's important to well, me. Well, this is the thing um, that's at
0: play at this movie because she's his girlfriend, but she's not his girlfriend because that exposition scene at the beginning, she broke up with him that morning. Right. Right? So, and then what comes into play later, which I think is done far more... Successfully as the movie goes on, I you know there's this one moment where um, I don't know that a character's names, but dark-haired guy. Are you talking about the
1: the the the, the one who the, the
0: gymnast's boyfriend and the one who turns yes. Yeah. So there's this uh, moment. I
1: I refer to I refer to him in my notes as Tom Cruise's untalented nephew. <laughs>
0: For good reason, my friend. (laughs) Aptly named.
1: Even even though I think uh, you know the the performance is a little rough around the edges, but the character is the most interesting one in the whole. Probably. Yeah,
0: exactly. (laughs) So, but and I wasn't expecting that because no, because you really have to wait until the end for that to pay off. Because there's this moment in the middle of the movie where he's giving his friend shit for saving his girlfriend in the premonition. (laughs) That's true. And I'm like, wait, what? (laughs) You're holding him accountable for what he did in a fugue-like dream state?
1: Beautiful, yeah. But
0: then at the same time, you can get his motivation later because, I mean, it's it's complete bullshit and nonsense, but it seems to me that the idea is he's upset (laughs) because in his mind, Hey, she broke up with you this morning, so she's not your girlfriend. (laughs) (laughs) So I, I, you know, and I just found that whole turn, everything that turns around that, uh, kind of pushed this movie to 11 for me in a way that really kept me interested.
1: Oh, absolutely. And it it was to, to have him, this, that, and it's also a fur, you know, this, this movie, interestingly for, a. for a fifth movie, is doing mm-hmm. a lot of firsts. Yeah. And one of the firsts, I think, is like, this is the first time any we've seen anyone, if you discount, you know, uh, piece of shit Tampon Mon's kids and the the, the the pyromaniacs letting off the fireworks at the Yeah, Bison but that's all, that's all accidents.
0: That's all accidents, you yeah, know? This
1: yeah, guy, this guy is, you know, he's gone beyond being death surrogate and he becomes essentially the killer. Right of the movie, so so now it's not death doing it, it, it through him, it's he's trying to take control of death, and that's through, why I like this movie. Physical yes. agency, and, and that's why
0: right, and that's why I like this movie as much as I do because yeah. it works so much better that a character decides to take yes. on to to change his fate, yeah, because he's you know. And but it's all human foibles, right? It's he's being selfish. He's yes. only caring about himself. He's willing to take a life, and all of those things are inherently interesting because we're people. <laughs> you know? The only thing that would have
1: improved it for me is that we 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 saw death, that we saw the Grim Reaper for the first time, and he was just putting out a cigarette and said, "My work here is done," and then disappeared. Yeah, I
0: <laughs> I, I actually had a different thought. I had a a thought of. You know, the Grim Reaper with either an angel or god and just sort of looks over and goes, you owe me 50 bucks. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) (laughs)
1: completely. Um, But the other the other thing story wise that works so well about, you know, having a character do this as opposed to, you know, death through wind and or pigeons. Right. Is that the danger then extends to the person who we know survives because right. that's the bi- the big deal of this is like Molly is based on the other movies Molly is safe because she survived. Mm-hmm. So, but now there's a danger to her because some crazy kid is trying to kill her.
0: Right, exactly.
1: So we have we have a a, a danger and a threat that we never had before. Um it, it's, and, and it's that's what that's why it works. Done. Yeah, Brilliant completely. Done. And (laughs) we should probably talk a little bit about um, (laughs) one of the most interesting uh, aspects of this movie, which is the casting and characterization of Courtney B. Vance as Agent Block.
0: Yes. So this this is what this movie has in common with the original movie, because i have a note that says hey the cops are back because
1: <laughs> <laughs> cops care about stuff again
0: yeah because in we talked about this in final destination 2 in which one of your lead characters is a cop so cops revolve around it only in how they relate to him specifically yeah. but in the first movie it's a big thing that like this kid took all the kids off the plane the cops are suspicious yeah. The cops find out it's an accident, but they're still looking at the kid and following the kid. And then people are dying. And, you know, yeah. and so that comes back into play in this movie. But again, for me, so much more successfully than in the first movie. It's it's overwrought in the first movie.
1: But but there's more there's more of an there's more of an emphasis. And again, this is something like we we haven't seen much of is we've we've got a, a cop who's who's kind of rational detective brain. right handle what's going
0: on cannot fathom yeah what's actually happening in reality
1: and he needs to he needs to sort of he needs to like backstory a conspiracy right in order to make this all make sense Mm -hmm. and what's great you know it's sort of a little a little bit overused as it as the movie went on i'm like we really don't need this guy and then Tom Cruise's untalented nephew turns into a killer. I'm like, oh, now oh, we need this guy. Now we need, need him, him. exactly. He <laughs> and he's shot to death. Right? At that exact moment that he becomes, you know, <laughs> narratively necessary. Necessary.
0: It's exactly like Dick Halloran coming back in The Shining. Yes. It
1: is. <laughs> It's all, I mean, you know, if you were going to, if you were going to Looney Tunes it, he would like turn to the camera and goes, go, us brothers can't catch a break in these movies. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, uh... oh, and also, oh, oh God, we haven't even talked about the return of Tony Todd.
0: No, yeah, I was just going to mention.
1: Um, I mean. But, uh, you... More ominous
0: than ever, by the way. I mean, he is just.
1: Well, I, I've, I mean, I've already asked this question and it's not answered in the scope of the film. Why is he wearing a suit?
0: Yeah, I know.
1: <laughs> I mean, part of me was like, they're going to talk about the fact that he was promoted and he's like, I don't know, head of death or whatever the job is at the... Whatever the best job is at the... In his
0: basement dungeon of a morgue.
1: <laughs> I'm just like, because that, that really struck me that mm-hmm. he was wearing a suit and it was it was nice because it's totally unexpected and i actually didn't mind the fact that he was replaced by stuff printed out from the internet right because you know you you had that scene in the last two movies where you're like hey i got this stuff on flight 180 uh and that's that's fine it's like you but once you see him you're like i forgot how good it is to hear that coming out of Tony Todd's mouth of Tony's,
0: yeah, exactly, right. And, it and they, it, it doesn't they have add to, anything. No, and they have to, they have to go to great lengths because in the first movie and the second movie they go to see him, at his place of business.
1: But that's and, even, and if you're the
0: coroner, yeah. like people bring bodies to you and you cut them open. <laughs> Tradition. You're not riding around in the fucking van, <laughs> you
1: unless know? your blood works. So,
0: so that's where this. Movie, the, yeah, yeah, exactly. But Maybe he, he was wearing know, a suit because it was his day off
1: and he was on a date. Maybe <laughs> this is what I do his, for a he living. He takes his dates to graveyards. It's like, hey, I've got this funeral of this kid who cheated death. You want to come?
0: I'm going to scare the shit out of these kids. Just wait, you see. <laughs>
1: so that that was a nice little So even though his character
0: is completely unnecessary and even though there's no rational reason other than the script needs him to be there so he's there even though all of that's dumb and doesn't work like you said just to have Tony Todd there and just to have those ominous musings <laughs> coming out of his face hole mm. it's just great
1: Yeah it it very 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 ominous and I think <laughs> I mean, it's pretty subtle, but its I do get a sense, I thought they were going somewhere with this, that the character seems to have changed. Um, I don't know if, like, I had a, in the back of my mind, I'm like, if this was the worst movie it would turn out that he was death all along, or something.
0: Oh, okay, oh yeah. I felt <laughs> that they
1: were going somewhere with that, but really it is, it's like, we'd rather not, you know, read this off Google again. <laughs>
0: <laughs> is Tony yeah. Todd available? It's, yes. Yeah. but he's All right, let's put him in.
1: Yeah, He's at a funeral, so he's already wearing a suit. Okay, <laughs> just bring him in for the day.
0: <laughs> well, they, I mean, you know, so this movie does harken back in the sense that it brings him back.
1: It's for a sense of completion as well, which this movie is definitely concerned with.
0: Well, and I also find it interesting that like you and I both love the addition of comedy that's used in the second movie so successfully not successfully in the fourth movie right but it's the third and the fifth movies we like the most who kind of abandon the comedy the thought so... has
1: the thought had struck me and I think it it's with final destination 2 and again it was very it was very close in my mind right but it was just you know, Final Destination Two is a hugely enjoyable movie. I don't think I've laughed out loud at a movie in recent years more than this movie, but that's 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 that one note. It hits constantly, right? Uh, for Final Destination, th- so I I put three and five above it, really because this was giving me something. It was it was like two three notes, different flavors, different. Ideas and doing them successfully.
0: Yeah, for me, this one, this one rose above two because of the human element that came in, and death. You know, death working through a human being. None of the other mm-hmm. movies chose to do that, and that was really interesting and worked so well for me and in it's this not particular with, movie.
1: It's not with uh, same with Dest- *Final Destination* three. Like, it's not without comedy, um, but it's just very. Carefully placed, um, and and associated with flawed characters, mm-hmm. which again is a very sort of you know. I really think that this movie owes a lot to The Office because it's 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 you know the 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 it's the comedy, the awkward comedy of terrible people and the terrible things they say and do. Yeah. And that's why I think the character of Isaac, yum yum dingsum, oh man, works well enough. It's not. It's
0: problematic. It's problematic. Not, it's problematic, it, so it's not. But it doesn't make me like in the previous movie. I was like, this is completely unnecessary, and I want it out, and it's it ha- serves nothing. Yeah. And. If somebody had made that argument to me about this character in this movie, I don't think I could say no. You're wrong. Because, yeah, exactly. Because exactly. they're right.
1: Yeah, he asks the character if they come with subtitles at one point.
0: Right. Exactly.
1: And then the subtitles start.
0: Oh man,
1: fuck. <laughs> <laughs> but but in the in the end, that sequence, the sequence we're talking about is set in a in a um, a massage parlor owned by a Southeast Asian family. That right. Isaac mistakes for a uh, kind of uh, happy you know, ending a, a, massage a prof- party. Yeah. yeah. And pretty I mean, you know, the joke is almost always on him. Right. Because, you know, there's a there's like this this in- sexy young woman at the at the reception that he thinks he's getting a massage from and she switches out with her elderly mother who right. like beats the shit out of him. Right.
0: And I guess the thing for me is that somebody being aggressively racist, which happens in the previous movie, is, is hard to watch and I just don't want to see it, especially, yeah. especially since it goes nowhere and it just doesn't do anything for you. In this movie, he's aggressively stupid. Yeah. And that, that to me is more inherently funny. Because, like you, you said, the yeah. joke is on him, and so his ignorance, I can kind of revel in his death because uh, his ignorance is at such a, at such a height that you think, oh, I can't wait for this fucker to die. Yeah. Well, you know? I, I
1: think you know, in the, the lineage of characters like Dwight from The Office, or you mm-hmm. know, um, those. You
0: I can... keep saying, th- I kept thinking of Dwight actually, like yeah. the moment in The Office when they're wearing what race or whatever, you know, whatever minority they are, they're wearing on their yeah. forehead. And, and Pam Beasley is saying, OK, I don't believe in this, but according to some people, you might not drive very well. And he goes, oh, man, am I a woman? <laughs> yeah, and that's that kind of ignorance is what this character felt like to me. So it was it just wasn't as it, it wasn't as heartbreaking as watch trying to watch that last movie.
1: And that that actor I've seen that actor play those a of lot characters oh in, he's all over in the place yeah 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 um so I, I I you know I took it yeah because and he's not was,
0: a bad actor the other guy I felt like I didn't feel was a very good actor yeah the either. guy
1: who play the guy who plays hunt could have easily not known how, could have easily not known the, the 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 that the character was a jerk and it was just playing it mm-hmm Whereas this guy is definitely, you know, this is his, uh, this is his raison d'être as is, is these kind of awkward uh, jerks.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so and I was, like you get well, a lot of funny shit for him because yeah. you ha- you have the switch out to grandma and, and you de- have you have re- all the needles in his skin, which is just inherently funny. You know, there's
1: there's a gr- the great gag that at the funeral he's on the list of the dead. Yeah, because. That's- because he's so like he he no one no one no knows one knows who he is. Yeah. And they don't even know that he didn't die. And he like, looks at him and goes, "Did he
0: say my name?" <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I I was um I was fine with that and there was just I think uh again like blending comedy and horror is such a hard thing. And in that whole massage sequence like one second it's you know like a scene from Hellraiser. The next it's like The 40-Year-Old Virgin and I'm like, "Right." Yeah, this movie knows its audience and it knows what kind of uh you know, it knows what it wants to be.
0: It gets the levels right.
1: Yeah, it gets the levels right. That's exactly. Yeah. That's exactly true.
0: All right. Well, we're we're smack dab in the middle of Final Destination 5, everybody. So, hang tight. Uh listen to one more fabulous commercial and when we come back, we'll finish out this Lovely movie that we just, uh, I'm gonna say adore.
1: Is there a commercial for laser eye surgery?
0: Oh, stay tuned everybody.
1: (laughs) If you're anything like me, you spend the majority of the day wondering whether you want coffee, beer, or wine. Whichever way you fall, Brew Bar has you covered. Located in the heart of Third Avenue Village in glorious downtown Chula Vista, California, which is also my neck of the woods, Brew Bar is a coffee shop, bar and eatery rolled into one delightful package. Tim and Alex run the place and let me tell you listeners, these guys know their coffee. And after you've been in their company, so will you. They turn me on to pour over and it's literally all I drink now. If for some crazy reason you don't want to try the best coffee in the world, they've got espresso drinks, all kinds of teas, and even coffee cocktails. You heard me. Coffee tails. And we're just getting started. Bottle service on craft beer and wine, alcoholic and caffeinated potions, an all-day food menu with plenty of vegan options. All served up in an atmosphere hip enough to know you're getting the best quality, but not too hip that you feel the need to drive to 7-Eleven and get a bucket of brown swill. Brewbar. It's the best place to be for beer, wine, coffee and tea. And if you go, you might even see...
0: me. And we're back everyone. Tom and I are here finishing up talking about the 2011 film Final Destination 5, the final film in the series. What do you want to talk about, Tom? Um well, I think we were I think
1: we're we're ready to talk about laser eye surgery.
0: Well, and I was going to say I mean, it's my I it might be my favorite death scene in all of these movies. I in my notes, I um,
1: I put classy. <laughs> this is a classy piece of horror. It reminded me of like Clockwork Orange. Yeah. Uh, you know the 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 Luis Bunel surrealist film Un Chien Andalou. You know, it's like <laughs> it's like we're working at a you know we're working at a different level here. I was just um, gonna
0: I, say we're working on a different level.
1: Yeah, and I mean, first of all, I mean. I am not a horror completist by any imagination, so listener, listeners, tell me if if uh, I'm wrong here, but uh, I don't remember the idea of laser eye surgery being used as a source of horror.
0: Oh yeah, I'm. I can't think of anything else because it's basically
1: it's it's a surrogate for dentistry. It seemed to me
0: that yeah, exactly right. But but it know, plays it's, it's, on. On such a base fear, yeah. Oh my, yeah. Being anything in the eye, yeah.
1: Being shot in the eye is even more terrifying than having my tooth hollowed out. <laughs> right. <laughs> <Yeah. sighs> so I just and and the opportunity. I mean, it's it's interesting because you know it's 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 flagged up early that she wears glasses. Mm-hmm. And I'm all, I'm always a bit leery of, you know, the way that glasses wearers are treated, as a glasses wearer myself, <laughs> as the way that they're treated, especially women who wear glasses, in in movies, particularly Hollywood movies, as some kind of, like, instant freak for having a pair of glasses on. Yeah. Uh, and there's a little touch of that here, and uh, but the fact that they make the idea of laser eye surgery, which is something that... that to me, just seems way more trouble than it's worth.
0: Yeah, exactly. In, term,
1: in terms of the risks, to sort of turn that into something like a source of anxiety is really effective because, you know, it, it essentially there's no way to sugarcoat it other than someone is shooting a laser in your eye.
0: Well, and let me ask you this, because <laughs> even before before we get lasers in the eyes... There's this moment where they're walking down the hall and they have this huge cylinder that looks like a, a, a miniature ball pit for for discarded glasses. <laughs> and I just remember thinking, There's no fucking way I'd give up my glasses. Like, even if I'm going in for surgery <laughs> I just I just cause I wear glasses too, and I just right. thought you know. No, I'll hold on to these until we're done. Thank you. <laughs> like, yeah. It Just did not ring true to me at all. But yeah, yeah I mean, you. But were... it gave this ominous feeling of, oh, I'm giving these up, you and what, so I'll, go- I'll have no protection anymore. Is that's the feeling it gave me? Was now that I'm giving this up, I have no protection.
1: Well, you wouldn't go in for like foot surgery, and then like throw your crutch out of the window before you went in.
0: Right. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> you like just in case. <laughs> I assume there'll be a recovery period. <laughs> uh yeah, it's I mean just I just I love the way that they make all those you know the, the they turn it into something which is very I, it's already it's already, you know, there's an element of fear there. And they just they just take that to eleven and make it as scary as the idea of going to the dentist. Yes. And that's what I loved about it. And the fact that, you know it's just something there's something essentially good for horror that involves bad things happening to eyes. Mhm. It just works. It Don't work why. You know? But oh, we all it'll... know why, I mean well, yeah, but no reason why it would why it would be that than say you know like a penis or a vagina. You know, it's, it would be like <laughs> why it would be any more or less worrisome.
0: Well, uh, I think it plays on me to such a degree because I, even the thought of getting contact lenses gives me oh interesting s- gives me the sweats. You know, huh. I, I eye drops are hard for me. You know, even even plucking my eyes open and trying to give myself eye drops is is, somehow I'll find a way to shut them. Yeah. And the idea of just sticking my finger onto my eyeball itself is something I can't even contemplate. So uh,
1: when we did Final Destination 3, you offered a personal story. So I'm going to offer a very brief one, but one that I think is going to horrify you. (laughs) It's about the day that I got contact lenses. Oh, and I got contact lenses. I went into the opticians. Went through the whole procedure. Put them in my eye. I was like, oh, I'm going to keep them on. For so the rest of the day. Okay? Um, At some point, one of them must have fallen out of my eye. <laughs> oh, no. And when I got home, uh, you know, it was night. I wanted to take them out. I was trying to remove essentially my eyeball from my eye <laughs> oh my God. and you would not i mean you know think think mike pence's pink eye on a on a you know industrial uh, scale on an industrial on a like a terminator scale that's what my <laughs> eye looked like at the end of it all and I just kept, you know, and, and it but was, but you really, didn't
0: know, I mean, wasn't it, you didn't know when it came out, well, it wasn't I, I, blurry. You know, it was like... like
1: I was like, Oh shit, it's stuck in my eye. That thing that the optician said is going to fucking happen happened within uh. seconds of me getting contact lenses. So now I've got the fear of, I've, this is going to be stuck in my eye. I can't get it out of my eye. So I'm just thrusting my finger into my eye to take anything that feels like it might be a contact lens, which is uh. actually just my eyeball. Oh god! Just the viscosity of my eyeball, which I'm touching. Oh,
0: fuck! That's so, almost worse than the movie. <laughs> Holy shit! So to summarize, this
1: movie's onto something.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, that's great. Well, but we do have, you know, uh, we're kind of short tripting some other deaths here. We got yeah. a we we got gymnast death. although I do have a note here that says, where's my note? Uh, I said, I believe the gymnastics of footloose more than this movie. (laughs) Uh,
1: Yes. (laughs) And that was, I I really liked how much that was a slow burn. You know, they introduced the idea of the nail on the horse very early on. Right. And so it all becomes about, you know, when that's going to happen and how that's going to happen. Again, nice. it
0: reminds me of, of we were talking about the pacing in the last movie of uh, the hair salon scene. Yeah. And and you have the same thing at play here where you're waiting for the terrible thing to happen. 100%.
1: Yeah. And,
0: and it and it's paced out in a way where, where you, you are crawling towards the edge of your seat. So it does work in that way. Mm
1: hmm and uh, uh, David David Kuchner gets yeah <laughs> a spanner in the face. Oh man. Having already died in what the premonition, like, Yeah, in what what might them might seem like uh, uh, a death that could not be bettered is actually bettered by a spanner <laughs> in the face.
0: Absolutely. Um, well, and we have the hook back for uh angry worker right. guy, angry worker class guy.
1: Yep. <laughs> Yes indeed. Um, so yeah there's some there's some really really strong deaths here. The way Isaac is dispatched with the the, the butter crushing his head I think is wonderful.
0: Oh yeah my, my note is my note is Buddha death laugh out loud. <laughs>
1: and you know that's that kind of we talked about this before of like uh, that to me is like a, a classic sort of John Landis horror moment. It's yeah. something where the symbolism is so obvious, you know, the fact that this is a statue of Buddha, you know, instant karma. Right. You know, it's it's like written in, you know, this is like American Werewolf in London, they arrive on a truck full of sheeps. Yes. Of she, sheeps. Sheep. Yeah. Um. <laughs> it's like you can't get more obvious than that, yeah, but it's so on the nose that it justifies itself. That it works, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So they they do all that brilliantly.
0: And then, but, you yeah, know, let's l- well, let's just get to the this huge last set piece for this movie in the restaurant. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it all ties together quite wonderfully for me. We talked about bringing in the human element in. Yep. So you have Tom Cruise's less untalented talented, nephew. untalented nephew, he is You know, what I what I considered earlier in the film to be kind of uh, uh, because he was angry. Yeah. But I considered it bullshit anger. I was like, you're mad at what this (laughs) that this guy tried to save his his special lady friend uh, in a premonition. (laughs) Yeah. But to then carry that over into baseness of human nature. Yeah. Of I'm going to try to take your life to save my life. To me, is a brilliant stroke, and this is the only movie in the series that does that. And also,
1: it it isn't it doesn't feel like an afterthought because no, earlier yeah. on in the movie, and and this is where like yeah, basically, it, in some senses, David Kochner hasn't doesn't have a lot to do except die in two spectacular fashions. Mm-hmm. However, he has what is perhaps the key scene of the movie, where he's basically like. He he becomes like a a rat for Agent Block. <laughs> He's informing on yeah. on his on the people who work in his office, right. and he says something along the line of, you know, it's kill or be killed. Yes, and that is, you know, we're basically we're relating, you know, this idea of the rat race and corporate America,
0: right, to to this the, kid's plight. Yeah.
1: He's a product of that thinking. Um, and I think that's beautifully
0: done. And I think, it, yeah, it, I mean, it, it, it really is. Well, speaking just in terms of these movies, I'll, I'll go ahead and call it a master stroke. <laughs> but yeah, but I, I do think it works.
1: <laughs> it feels like we've been talking about nothing but these movies forever. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I agree. It's
0: like we entered the final heard... destination cul-de-sac and we can't get out.
1: I'm perfectly willing to believe that these are the only movies that exist in the world, I know. <laughs> which is why I'm talking about David R. Ellis as if he is fucking Orson Welles, <laughs> <laughs> because of these movies, oh. he is. <laughs> yes, but I, I, what I really, what I really want to talk about is, uh, what possibly my favorite section of any movie which is the last sort of 10 minutes of this movie. oh okay um so and this is i mean first of all and something we didn't mention in the about the final destination which i think is very relevant comparing it to this we have a vet i mean all of these films have a fake ending right fake ending time-lapse final scare you can set your watch by it mm-hmm in the last, in the, the final destination, this happens about three quarters of the way through, they start toasting with champagne. Right. And you're like, even for this move, even for this movie. Too theory, soon. This is too early. Yeah. <laughs> too early. <laughs> re- this is really premature. Here, we're like, okay, you know, we've seen this, this first we've got this twist that we've never seen before,
0: mm-hmm.
1: where it's not death, it's... Physical person Character. killing yeah. everybody. So I'm like, okay, things have changed. Then we get a time lapse. I'm like, oh fuck. So some things don't change. Right. We're going this is we're into final scare territory here after the time lapse. I mean, aside from the fact that I would have thought they would have retired the number Flight 180. Because who's gonna get on a plane with that number? But anyway. Um
0: Well, but uh, i mean we're at the end anyway so but i feel yeah. like they give they i think they give that surprise ending up pretty early in the movie
1: oh no and, and that's that's not the bit of that impresses me okay what what kind of unimpresses me here is uh, and again you know we we have all it is is the double premonition thing mm-hmm. But where this movie is just so brilliant at deploying this is the premonition is experienced by, like, a, an extra. Like a kid who we see briefly. Right. And we're not following their perspective. No. So the person's premonition who comes true isn't one of those characters. It's just some guy on the plane. mm mm-hmm. Because we see him dragged off the plane at the beginning going, We gotta get up! You know, it's like, this guy's, you know, gotta be ejected from the plane. So it creeps up on you. Um, And it's like a a total bait-and-switch. And And that isn't even the ending! (laughs) The ending is that the plane drops on the remaining character to be killed! Nathan. Beautiful. Yeah. A plane literally drops out of the sky onto someone. But
0: it's a, I mean, it's a, again, speaking to the 3D in this movie. Yeah. And I, you know, I remember when we were talking about Jaws 3D and when you're a kid, you have silly thoughts. I said in that podcast, and it's like, oh, if it's 3D, blow the shark up and have its guts come out the screen. And then when I saw it, I thought, oh, that's why you don't do that. It looks stupid. And I even thought that as a kid, you know. But that's what exactly what happens in this movie, and I'm like, that's what I wanted. But it's just I mean, it, you know, it's it's like slows down into slow motion, and mm-hmm. I I just I reveled in how I I was delighted by by how they did that.
1: <laughs> yeah, and it's 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 really yeah. I mean, the recap montage happens after this point. And so but if it you I mean if you think about comparable sequences like that, they're basically you know they're they're showing the purpose is to show scenes from previous movies to remind you how good this franchise once was <laughs> as if you would forget as if you would forget how bad this was but this is working on a totally different, different level, level yeah it's like it's like you know here's here's as good as we're gonna get storytelling wise
0: let's stop <laughs> roll 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 them on top yeah well and that's the great thing is you know in the when we were doing the ranking and the good or bad at minisode i i was saying i love that these movies i love how they're titled it's just two three and then you have the final destination but it's not the final destination but when they come back it's final destination 5 but the reason you can do this movie at all is cuz in the end it turns out to be a prequel and the flight they get on in the end is the flight that begins the whole thing in number 1 yeah. and there's great symmetry in that that i it's just yeah. so delicious
1: yeah they exactly exactly so that it's it's just perfectly done and a perfect sense of completion and what I found really interesting for our purposes about that recap montage is that we didn't see any of the original movie in there. Mm-hmm.
0: It's just the sequel. Yeah. <laughs> what is that saying? I don't know. But Isn't like we saying were saying, that... they're all, you know, all these sequels, save for one, they're all better than I think the first movie, you know? There's something in that.
1: And that seems to be what we're pushing, because if you think about, you know, uh, last the one in last blood it goes right back to to first blood right. you know before he even gets to um Vietnam yeah um rocky the same I mean it's a weird thing really stands out that we're not doing anything we're not recapping anything I don't know it could simply be a rights issue yeah um but to me I was a choice to sort of say, these sequels stand on their own. Yeah, I know. <laughs> we don't. We don't need to trade off. You know, this the the first movie in the same way that you kind of need to do with a with a franchise that that, that has uh, weaker parts. Mm-hmm. It's like there was, It's basically saying it's like there it was a bit of a rocky road here, but and we're there. here.
0: <laughs> but we're here. We made it. it.
1: More or le- it was more or less plain sailing. Yeah unlike any other franchise that we will ever see. I agree.
0: So, I you know, listen, ladies and gentlemen, The Final Destinations, if you haven't seen them, go watch them. Because <laughs> I think they're worth your time. And then come back and listen to us. It's a good time.
1: We yeah, It's, it, you know, leave your preconceptions at the door. Yeah. Because this is... This is a roller coaster ride of tone <laughs> that you don't get in many
0: series. Yeah. yeah,
1: what but but you know and you you do get that you do get a roller coaster of tone in a lot of series, but normally there's these incredible lows and highs of quality that go with it. And aside from, you know, the inevitable dud here, we're talking diehard standards of consistency.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's saying something.
1: Real, from us Yeah. It's, again, again again, in our tiny little world in our wor- yeah. which does not represent <laughs> the whole of cinema by any means
0: what a perfect place to end it ladies and gentlemen that is it for the final Destination series thank you for listening stay tuned we'll have another series coming at your ear holes soon for Tom Stewart of Lonesome Whistle Productions I'm Mike Schatz from the How Dare You Awards say goodbye Tom Death finds a way. Always. Bye-bye, everybody.